Welcome to another episode of Collective Conversations. I'm very excited. We have a very special guest today, Darren Sharp. Uh, Darren comes to us from Sweet Spot Technology. He is the Chief Revenue Officer at the company. Uh, and I'm very excited about this piece of technology. I had the opportunity to read through 15 pages of notes uh, so that we could get this conversation kicked off in the right way. But I'd like to welcome Darren to the show. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Sweet Spot before we kick into uh, what I think will be a very vibrant conversation. <laughs> uh, well, Mike, first, thank you very much for having me. Excited to, to be on. Um, I'm relatively new in the multifamily. I, I, unlike some of your previous guests, I didn't fall into multifamily. I chose it. So I'm uh, uh, by trade. I'm a, uh, I've been a company builder and a sales professional in my career and really dove into this amazing uh, company, Sweet, Sweet Spot, and now got a chance to be welcomed into this multifamily community. I think that's been one of the, the great surprises of now selling into this marketplace is it really is a community. And you know, from great online mentors like uh, Gary Gregory or Steve Wunsch uh, to our, you know, our clients who have really accepted uh, me as, as relatively new, but you know, eager to learn and take part within this community. Uh, you, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned some real stalwart people there. I just salt of the earth people. Steve is a very good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, what it, your, your remark also brought to mind, uh, something I heard Mike Wobbler say recently, uh, uh, rent dynamics, I believe is the name of the company he works for, or works with, or owns or co-founds or something of that nature. Forgive me, Mike. Um, but it, it really is community, right? And relationship. And I think multifamily really warms up to that. Maybe by default, we're in the resident business and that really does work well when you uh, put relationship at the forefront. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. And then from a, a sweet spot um, perspective, yeah, like sweet spot technology, we're a uh, holistic maintenance, uh, maintenance software. So we really want to take all the friction out of your, out of your maintenance workflows. You know, like I love to talk to you about, how, you know, it's actually something that you'd mentioned on a podcast over a year ago, but hey, like software that can take all of the friction out from notice to vacate in a happy renter. And we absolutely look at, you know, there's, there's some interesting trends happening in this right now. We have a labor shortage on maintenance, yet at no part is maintenance right now is probably playing the biggest role it ever has in resident SAT. And, you know, the, I think we're hitting some interesting divergent forces there where we have, a, we have a new group of maintenance techs and professionals coming on staff, right? And we have a change in expectation of both the resident and the employee, yet we're sticking with the status quo too often on how operations are moving forward. And so, you know, I think 2022 is a big year for uh, that kind of operational change, and we're, we're sure seeing it within our marketplace. And, and so... I know it comes to mind for me, but what do you think is driving that? So from the people that are serving the business and or the people that are coming in as a resident or a vendor partner, et cetera, is coming into the business. And so those those two things colliding, what is it that is driving that? I think there's an implied point you were making there that at least came to mind for me. But what do you think is driving that? Yeah, like I, I think like a, a digital experience across the board is becoming the expectation. And we look at it as the expectation of, the operator themselves to take the blind spots out of their reporting so they have visibility to everything. The digital experience that the tenant expects, like we talk about all the time that if a tenant orders a package, UPS tells them when it's going to arrive, the shape it's going to arrive. Why can't we deliver maintenance operations as, as well as UPS can deliver a package? And, you know, so we look at those shifting expectations of both the tenant uh, leadership and operations but also the expectation of the maintenance team who we think have been under tooled 
you know, in that, like we look at, like we hear all the time from clients who, who, you know, both existing clients and prospects about, you know, the, the, the teams being undermanned, we look at and think they're under tooled and part of making this job and retaining these great new folks you're hiring is to give them the, the, the workplace tools so they can be super effective at their job. So they're not doing a bunch of callbacks to the same uh, angry, angry tenant where they can excel in their work. We think that's a, it's a real positive change that you can deliver to that maintenance team is providing better tools and workflow so they can be brilliant at their jobs. I, you know, I, wow. You said a lot there and you said a lot of fantastic and wonderful things that it, that I, I mean, I, I think a great many of us have often thought about things that you've just said, but in, but no one's really brought that together in a package, right? That, that really serves the service team member into your lead in point, the most important interaction in terms of resident satisfaction in, in the business of property management, right? No one's ever really brought that together in a package. And I, I, look, prior to getting on this call, I didn't know anything about sweet spot technology. And, and I don't mean that as a discount to you, but I read this and I'm like blown away, right? You've put this thing together in a package that if I'm a service team member, uh, I'm going to use the word gamification that might be used or over, overused at this point, but there is sort of a an emotionally gamified element <laughs> to this technology. Okay. Was that something that was intentional from the get-go? Yeah, absolutely. So like one of our founding principles is to serve the maintenance team and their direct leadership. So we do that in a couple of ways. One if every work order, if every task that you need to do comes into your mobile phone, it is clear on when it's due, where it is. You can, you now can take pictures, you know, the resident, their, their, uh, their entry code, whatever it is. So you can go be brilliant at that job. You can go see all of the history in that suite. When you get there, the app can work offline. It can work in any language. It connects back to all major PMSs. So we're enabling them. So we look at that as a foundational principle in the app. But secondarily, how we manage those folks, how we dispatch that work. So we want to give, let those managers be able to see, here's the delineation of that labor so I can see where I've got gaps, where I can move folks so that now we have more efficient task distribution across the skill sets of our team. It, <laughs> I feel like there, there are like... 15 jumping off points here because I, now I have, a, I have a million questions. Uh, and I mean that, um, I let's, let's, let's carve out workflow for a second. Okay. Yeah. It, it, you said a lot there. Let's just carve out work, workflow. I know you have an engine or sort of a, let's call that the back office UPS, the logistics piece yeah. that I believe what you're saying hides behind here. It's back here. It's not up here. It's right. It's, uh, it's fueling this whole thing. Um, Within that workflow, there's an interesting point that you made in terms I'm going to label it labor distribution. I think you said it just a little bit differently. But my imagination tells me that um, if, so let's say service request comes in and we'll, I'm going to talk about origin of request in a second. I want to unpack that in a second. Sure. But, but so request comes in and that request, the system back here knows where to move that based on maybe you've done some preloading, but let's talk, talk to me about that. So service quest is an origin. Let's talk about the back office here for a second. What happens? Sure. So let, let, let's use a Yardi example. 
So say we're we're on Rent Cafe, and by the way, we we integ- we integrate seamlessly whatever your PMS is to maximize that leverage point, but have Sweet Spot replace it as a maintenance OS. So we do the maintenance pieces, but we still fully talk back to PMS. So let's just use a, a Rent Cafe example. So a service request goes into Rent Cafe, it gets automated in um, through it, through Sweet Spot. We connect back to Yardi. And now we're going to deliver that as a work order with all of that information from Rent Cafe. So now we've now have taken uh, the resident information from Yardi, provided it to the maintenance team member with full information of what the issue is, how they can action it. All of that lives within SweetSpot. So now when they go go into that suite, they can still leverage SweetSpot to complete the work order. So from from their clock in, clock out to having full visibility to be able to do a mass call of the client to confirm time. All of that can happen within SweetSpot. And then when we're in suite, we can leverage the app to take pictures, to document. We can, if there's uh, if it's a, if there's assets in that app, in the, in the suite, in the unit, we can take pictures and leverage our asset tracking, see warranty information with the goal being, and the last thing I'll say in, in work order, that's great. So we do a full, um, unit history within the app. So anytime any other maintenance team member has been in the app, in the, in the unit, they see that activity. So they know if this is a callback. They know if on this uh, fridge, this is the third time we're replacing this issue. So that does two things that are really powerful. One, when the person who's now actioning this, they can talk to the resident with full history. And there's nothing that can be more embarrassing than the resident knowing 10 times more about the issue than your expert, right? So secondarily, we now can reduce callbacks. So we can say, hey, look, this is the third time this is happening. We've tried this and this. I have my notes from my other team members here. I can go in and either bring the right tools, bring the right tone, whatever I need to do to go service this. But again, like we're talking about, the best way to be a tool to the maintenance team is to empower them. We want to empower them with data and empower them with an actionable device. I I love this. And, and something comes to mind for me, it, sort of in this vein of labor distribution. So and let, let's use your callback uh, scenario as an example. So if, if that callback scenario is a result of that team member who's been back three times now, and, and really that is a deficiency in their ability or capability, does the system have or can it, or future state, <laughs> have an ability to sort of factor that in, right, to the algorithm, so to speak, is so that system sees something that needs to be acted upon, and it looks at capability of labor, and it says, Mark is the guy, <laughs> let's send, and not only is Mark the guy, but he's the closest one to the unit. He happens to be driving by on the golf cart because our system knows where he's at all the time. And he's like, Mark, go over there and take care of that. Does it, is so it there? I'll tell you a little bit how we work. And one, this is a constant innovation path for us. So one thing we look at is every team member has different skill sets. So we're okay. able, so, so we can break things down, plumbing, electrical, all, all of our maintenance skills, which allows us to sort all future work orders and be able to reassign. Right. <gasps> so yep. we can say, Hey, if we, if, if we have a team member who is an amazing electrician, that's his trade, he's going to do 80% of our electrical work and 20% of general work orders, we can route that way. But you asked another question on how are we checking performance? 
So the other, so we look at it, we're able to actually support real KPIs of your maintenance team, time, time to resolution on different, on different types. So we could say, Hey, when Dan does plumbing related work orders, his time to resolution is four hours over the median. We may have an issue here, right? So you mentioned early how we gamify that, but we can gamify this in a really positive way to drive what is great performance, right? And be able to showcase. And also we do a ton of comparative metrics, property over property. So we're able to say, hey, we're, we're closing off work orders on an average of this at property A. At property C, we're 2X that. Now, is this an FTE issue? Do we need more manpower? Is this a training issue? Are there other things going on in the property, preventative maintenance or other tasks that are pulling away? Do we need to all of those things, but what we see too much in our industry is we make assumptions in maintenance, not based on data, not based on, but I can tell you now, this property versus this property on data. We, now we can look at changing headcount. Now we can look at um, highlighting the great and, and, and solving where we have actual problem, not where we think we have problem because of the loudest assumption in the room. I love that. <laughs> Am I being crazy on that? Or? No. I, look, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, you, guys like me are guilty of sitting in boardrooms with, you know, labor studies in, in the, the old fashioned way where we baked them into Excel spreadsheets and, and we did these kind of assumptions, you know, it kind of feels like, and it should be and et cetera, et cetera. And then we decide, you know, we should shave half a person or, you know, we should add half a person, but it's based on, it's based on nothing. It's based on our gut and our intuition, which isn't wrong all the time, but it's probably not as accurate as your data. <laughs> well, what do you think of the hundred to one rule? You know, I think that's, that was probably, uh, should have been done away with, I don't know, 20 years ago, plus minus. <laughs> Again, like, and I think it works in some properties, but I think, it's, I think every property is unique. Right. And and you have to be able to or my, my our interpretation is there's a uniqueness across a portfolio and to lean in to the fact that they are unique and serve them differently. And I think if we do that, we end up having better employee retention and better residents at. I, I, I agree. That principle probably served well when you didn't have the data and insight and transparency that you do today or the ability to collect the kind of data that you're collecting, right? Yeah. That's, it. that's if you've put in processes to collect that data. That's right. Because <laughs> we, like we, the, the one of the gaps we see is we still see a ton of paper and pen maintenance. We see like um, we see the whiteboard in the maintenance office. and I get it. That's an important. It's been a really important tool for us, but the world has changed, and the, what the like the whiteboard represents. It's a static representation of a dynamic process, and we now have really smart people making decisions based off bad data because just because it's on the whiteboard, that's not truth. So we end up making real like decisions that affect make ready dates that affect like our, our vendor interactions, these real things. And it's predicated off of what is expired data. And that's, that's a standard for us, Mike. Like, that, 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 that's right. And I can't tell you how many times I've been out doing site visits and I happen to rub, rub my shoulder against the, you know, the dry race 
make ready board and all of a sudden we've lost some of that data that wasn't accurate in the first place, right? Well, then, yeah, then it's, it actually proves, like it speaks to the tool. Right. If, if as you're walking, walking through the door that it can radically change the data set. <laughs> exactly right. I, okay. So I, I want to take a, I don't know if this is a, a left turn, right turn or, but, but it's sort of, um, I'm using, the service quest as a jumping off point, or maybe I want to fast forward to something that I've read recently of sort of a principle of point of procurement, right? And and this is like prior to point of sale. I don't know where it sits in that sort of hierarchy, but the way it, we had, the story I tell myself is that at a point of procurement, you, uh, Sweet Spot has all of this baked in data from uh, scanning asset tags or barcodes on uh, physical assets in the unit. You've, you've basically inventory everything in the community, or at least that's the way. So then you, you sort of have this ability that when Mark goes in and he uses uh, an discussion, right. And he puts that in the, the shower um, over the, you know, the shower in the bathtub and that comes out of his inventory in, in my head, your system knows that he just used an, uh, an discussion. Now we have point of procurement where you can actually facilitate or automate the inventory replenishment from an, whatever vendor you might work with. You are, you're, 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 you're a quarter ahead of us. So okay. Can, no, no, but it, it's a, but it's an important point of how do we take all of the friction out of that process? Right, right. right. So today what we're able to do is go in from an inspection, take pictures or take assets and draw up from a, from a requirement and purchase through HD supply. And we can drive that. The evolution of that is exactly what you're saying is then be able to read into your inventory. So I will say this, that's in beta for us. So we are really, we actually are testing in that today to only further that process so that when I define needs in suite, it not can just order, but can pull from inventory, right? And that's yeah. because the, the, the biggest challenge you're running there though, and this is uh, not to cast stones in industry, the inventory management piece is, is underserviced. So so when, so when we're working with this challenge, um, we have to have a trusted data set that's digital of our inventory and we'll connect to it. But not everyone manages that as well as they would think today. And that's a, I think, so we're actually highlighting uh, some issues in our prospects in that you're, it's one of those things that maintenance teams are very busy and are not always as diligent in updating. So therefore, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, but when you, you, you brought up a service request through traditional service requests. We look at uh, like, you know, I, I'd like to talk a touch about the turnover process. Let's do it. So, so we, I think that not enough, enough folks are talking about how do we improve turnover process? Just full, full stop. And that uh, one, I, we believe that it's, it's actually a really interesting uh, measuring stick for how you are, how, how operationally efficient you are across multiple silos is your ability to take, go from notice to vacate and exit a happy tenant to um, rent ready and then introduce and go through that process into a new happy tenant. 
And we look at that as like a, a real measuring stick of your operational efficiency because of how hard it is. And the, it's also, so, you know, not traditionally, not altruistic here, but it's also the point where I think we're the best in the world at helping organizations make that change through technology. And, you know, for, for us, like we have a digital make ready board, digital inspection process, but whether it's through our technology or others, the importance of digitizing that process, being able to measure it and then improve it and compare across properties. We think there is an absolute goldmine of NOI and operational efficiency today in the marketplace. I, I believe that to be true. It, it's a, it's, it's a broken, it's broken, it's fragmented. It's, I think many of us in this industry, especially people who've been around for a long time, have bolted together systems and processes and disciplines and routines from all the companies that we've worked for and with over time, right? Is So I, I, I'm interested in the, so Digital Maker Board, the second you, there's a trigger, let's call that trigger, notice to vacate, whether it be in Yardy MRI or whatever other systems you integrate with. I imagine you integrate with all of them, or at least the majors. Um, that notice to vacate trigger, does that, uh, is it dynamic enough such that it, it schedules out germane to move in dates and other various pieces of data that are, that are germane to that process? And then does it auto schedule carpet cleaner, cleaner, service tech, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. So one, like we're, we're trying to provide visibility and visibility and automation to a process. So okay. the first thing is we can, we can adapt our workflow to your process. So whatever the steps are. So what we recommend is a, once notice phase cake, fake gate kicks, we'll do a pre move out inspection. So probably 60 days out. So we dictate if it's at community a, if the person who's going to do that is your, community manager or your first line maintenance, whatever that person is, they will get automated a work order to go complete this inspection. Now, that'll have all the data it needs to enter the suite. It'll have broken down every room from Yardy. It'll know all the pieces. You'll follow your process, be prompted to take the pictures, but really complete that pre-move out inspection. So from there, we're going to identify the work. So really, that's also our scoping. So for, you know, we have, you may have a standard clean and paint on everyone. And then we're looking for unique repairs, whatever that, whatever's part of your punch process, we incorporated it. So let's say out of that inspection, we're going to do a couple internals, like a paint and clean, but we have an external, um, you know, uh, uh, whatever it may be. We're able from right in the suite, that 60 days out to create all of that scope, create those additional work orders, even dispatch to the vendor within the suite, be able to say, so if we have, say you have a third party cleaner or, or painter, and they know for two bedrooms, it's a set $800, I can click paint vendor, boom, in the suite and send the request for 800. They can select yes, and we can schedule it that day for down the road. So what what so the, the what that piece does is by kicking off that first pre-move out inspection, it drives scope. It's going to create work orders. It's going to do all of these elements within SweetSpot, and it's going to create the right next uh, steps and tasks for others. So that may be approval tasks. It may be um, scheduling tasks. But all of that workflow gets built within SweetSpot. And because we have a um, an engine for escalations, as soon as something's not done, it escalates up with a notification. Hey, this pre-move out inspection was supposed to happen within five days. 
hasn't happened. It's now. So the, the, what we find is there's no accountability today for a bunch of preventive maintenance stuff, the things getting done. So we believe in a process of work, of, of work by exception. So we assume everything's done, but as soon as it gets escalated to a manager or one step above, they know it's not. So everything, they only see the work that wasn't completed on time or was urgent. They assume everything else is done because it hasn't been alerted. That makes sense. I, I, I like it. I, I want to cue off of something that you just said about scopes, because this, this was in the, the packet that I read, um, which I thought was super interesting, super powerful. I say the word super a lot, but the... Too much time around, Gary. It must be. Yeah, super fantastic. Gary, yeah. Um, so the return on investment calculator that you have built into your technology... Tell us about that because I I think that is interesting. Yeah, like 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 return on investment for what we're talking about is, is unique. So we we've tried to calculate it in different ways, but I actually think that those conversations are more personal than what our online calculator does. And if anything, it's it's a curiosity peak because mm-hmm. the best way for us to understand ROI is to spend some time and understand what is your current risk parameters, how much time is your team spending, and really where is the gap? Because I do think like. Um, I'm not a big believer in it that the R industry buys a ton on ROI or trusts it. Right? <laughs> so, so, and I also don't want to think that, that we have, that we know anything that we don't. So, um, so I, I, I would say, let's be, let's all be careful of all online ROIs. However, that doesn't say what, what I believe, what I believe we do can't materially affect your ROI as far as driving efficiencies with your team better management, better scheduling. We have great examples of shaving days and days off average um, times times returns. However, I do think that in you know in our industry, there's a natural skepticism to ROI, and we should if you're if you're if you're on my website looking at our ROI calculator, you should be skeptical about it. But I'd love to talk to you about the reality, right? And maybe that's it's probably I'm 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 usually a better salesperson than that. Uh, but but it's it's the truth. So the but the reality is, like the path of automating, digitizing, and then measuring your maintenance operations will have material ROI. But anyone who says that on seven inputs on the website that they can tell you what that is, total, they're wrong. We're we're wrong too. You know, you know what I appreciate about that that methodology of sales is that it's truth. And it gives me a lot of trust in the person who's saying, you know what, look, I, it's there, it's fun, but it's just as flawed as every other calculation. <laughs> it, it, it is. But I, I would say, though, the difference is that if you haven't looked at some of these key processes around how maintenance is supporting your, 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 your residents on improvements on turnover processes, measuring how quickly your guys are resolving work orders, all of those things make you better. And I believe genuinely that we can enable organizations to improve maintenance operations, to measure it. To, and so that I feel very passionately about. I see it every day in our clients. To be able to say that I can quantify it for you tomorrow is not true. Now, but I, and I wish I could. It would make my job far easier. Oh, yeah. yeah but, but I got I to gotta say really quickly before I ask you a question about it, the, the accounting piece of that. I, you know, I, I, it brings to mind for whatever reason it does. Uh, National Apartment Association puts on maintenance mania every year. 
kind of regionally, then it sort of ladders up to the, the big crescendo moment at the National Apartment Association, big thing out in San Diego this year. But anyway, it, it's like this fun competition that the maintenance guys get to, to be involved in. And my imagination tells me when you have this sort of put in place enterprise wide, you have this sort of leaderboard of guys, even if they're not named, they're, they're there in sort of property and they could be named, whatever we could, yep. we could talk about that. But it, I mean, if you see your team, your name at the top of the leaderboard, or you see your name at the bottom of the leaderboard, my my imagination tells me that you're you're going to do something about that. You're either going to do whatever you can to stay on top, or you're going to do whatever you can to get on top, right? Exactly. Like, well, so like we have a callbacks leaderboard, right? Very right. very popular. Like, so um, you know, average red, uh, time to resolution on on work orders, and again, it's like gamification can be really powerful for having your teams be excited and like. I, again, the maintenance team are underserved. I think there's a real bias. The bias can be that they're unable to take on technology, that they're, you know, but I look at those folks as, hey, they just want to be great at their jobs. And when they are, like, let's reward them. Let's showcase it. And we provide that pathway. So, you know, I think that that can be a very powerful thing to say, hey, guys, we have real data points now, not just your hours logged and your number of work orders resolved. That doesn't tell a story, but we can tell you, the specific type of work orders. We can say how many callbacks are related from your first calls. All of these pieces that can actually say, well, these are key performance indicators of our maintenance team and we can reward from there. We can actually look to train from there. And I mentioned this early, but it's incredibly powerful to cross compare teams at properties, right? Because you can, then can, you can look to, like, I'm sure you get this, right? And and especially, like, I'll take out that assumption word again. Okay, hey, guys, you guys aren't doing this as well as the other guys. Okay, fine. If you can tell them the data, guys, we, we have this problem. We have the, these type of, of, of work orders. You guys are having 2x the callbacks on these. Where we Let's dive in. Are we sending the wrong person? Are we sending the wrong equipment? But that from real data becomes powerful. And I, we look to have data change decisions, change workflows, because the assumption isn't working. It brings to mind the, so for guys like me that say, hey, every gamified scenario for all the benefits that you just described has an element of gaming the system in a whole different definition of the word gaming, yeah. but you have, you've addressed that in here in, in some ways and forgive, I, I remember it intimately, but some of those workflows, a team member can't move forward in the process until they do something, right? Correct. Yeah. Tell- there's, yeah. So there's, there's triggers, right? So for instance, if I'm in a unit, let's say I'm doing one of those premium out inspections and I declare that there's a chargeback. I can see something that's clearly damaged. That's gonna dic- that's gonna force me to take a picture, leave a note, right? It's a small example of triggers, but we use them all throughout Sweet Spot to ensure that we're complete on whatever that is, yeah. right? And so we can we do all different types of triggers um, that drive that, but really it's to ensure that um, you know we have the best outcomes possible. And like the one piece that we we're we're, we're really, really far ahead is. We can share work orders across teams. Multiple people can work on it at the same time. There's so we can, and that that like that's just the truth. Those things happen. They happen at the same time. We can support each other. So we're able to do that really, really seamlessly. And you know, then 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 all of a sudden we're we're getting better outcomes. 
I, I, I love it. I, I just think, yeah. And to, to one of your chief points in that part of that answer, the, when, when you can share data across enterprise and you make it visible to the entire enterprise, you, you drive behaviors that in, in my imagination are just of benefit to the community. They're of benefit to the individual, but they're of benefit to the team and to the community and to the enterprise as, as a whole. And back to your prior point to that, the NOI, maybe you can't put math to it or precise math to it, but it is positive. It, <laughs> like you, you had a, uh, a YouTube video the other day, but talking about running to the problem, right? Yeah. A little bit, right? And yeah. so, we, and, I, and I, I thought about that for this part of the conversation where highlighting the problem is not a negative, right? It is like, let's, like, let's run to this fire. And what data can clearly pr- pr- provide us is saying, Hey, the issue that we thought was there is there. It's pervasive. We're seeing it and it's having these effects. Let's run to that fire. Right. And, and, and I think, I think the, the, in the absence of data, you can talk about the issue, but we can't quantify it. Right. And maybe like, like, anyway, that's, that's a big piece for us in that we, like our clients are able to pinpoint the fire and run to it and they put it out before it's become a rager. Right. And I think that that gets enabled by us just from better data. It, it, it seems like you're, you're not only are you running to the fire, to your point, you're carrying along the tools necessary to put, put the fire out. You're not you're not running there to figure out that it's a fire. Right. Well, and maybe the fire can be on vendor and vendor management. So, for instance, yeah. if you're looking at your average terminal, you know, for, for whether it's a back to back or different types of terms your cost comparative over region, right? And if, hey, and if, and if your turns may be happening at the same speed, but if you're spending 6,000 per turn over here versus 4,000, well, is there a vendor opportunity? Can we now, so within our within our suite, we're able to, to have all of your locked in pricing, but also we can now take a single bid and mail it a, an email to multiple vendors and have them compete for it. So for instance, let's use that example of, hey guys, in Austin, Whatever reason, we're paying 50% more on turns. I can see it here. Let's be more competitive with our vendors. Let's send out three quotes on every paint and clean, and let's get them back. And we can do that within Sweet Spot. It won't add any time. But we think in that in Austin, we're high. Let's go fix. Let's go fix that problem. And if we do 100 turns this year, we save 2,000 of turn. We put 200k to the good. And all all we've had to do is manage our vendors a touch tighter. So. So when, I, when we say run to the fire, I don't want everyone to think that we're talking about people issues all the time. Right. right? This is about the data that we're pulling out of the system to say, how can we get better? What do we care about? Right. And what we found is like, our clients are brilliant. Right. They're able to look at that data and say, hey, like, like this is a we can we can look at this comparative. We can for asset track. Hey, our our average mean time to fail on our LG fridges is half the time of, 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 of GE, like, let's, let's make a change here. And as opposed to the assumption of, man, these LG fridges, we seem to be working on them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so when I say the run to the fire, the, the, the issue that we're, the problem that we're trying to solve sometimes isn't always people, but it's great to have the data to say, Hey, like that's, that, that's not congruent with the plan that we want to deliver. It, it, it takes, you know, this is an age-old problem in the industry, and it's not just germane to the service side of the business. It's, it's germane across the board. It's 
you know, people in the mid-level management roles, regional managers specifically, get caught up in data curation, right? And they can't, in order to make an informed decision, but the data curation takes so much time, they don't get to make that informed decision or when they do, it's delayed and it doesn't, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. But a system like this just puts the data in front of you so that you can make an informed decision real time on the fly. It's, and it's, it's absolutely true. Like we look at, we serve three levels of constituent. So we talked about the field level folks, great app, do their job. Their leadership to dispatch work, to, to drive their KPIs, to, to see that performance. But the third level is the dashboards we create for leadership that allows for us to have those key points of, you know, average cost to turn, you know, by region or how, you know, whether it's work, over, work orders, turnovers, callback dashboards, they actually now have, you know, have kind of put data into what was previously a black hole they can see. And what, you know, and previously they have analysts be pulling, they calling maintenance guys, everything, pulling it all together. Like, like come on, like, let's not feel like this data isn't there, but how it gets curated and then built is like a level of gymnastics that's really impressive. And it's still pulling from a bunch of static sources and phone calls. And if you think, like, I might be laughing, like, you think you're agreeing with me here. This is what we yes. see, right? So it's the laugh of validation and confirmation. So, yes. so when we talk about ROI, well, if we're saving 10 hours a month of a BA to pull this together and it's on a dashboard, can we call that part of the return? Right. Yeah. And it's, so that's, it's a small, it's a small thing, but it is one of those things where like the dashboards are real and they can help drive key changes, right? Whether it's vendors, whether it's your FTE pieces, like how we're approaching certain scenarios, whether it be, hey, we need to have our key electrical guy to go be first guy in on electrical or we get stuck with callbacks. Whatever that is, it's it's a game changer for you to be able to say, well, the data says this. Let's do this. So true. Okay, I want to take a hard left maybe. I I want to talk about, uh, or have you talk about rather, so – uh, I'm not sure how to sort of frame this. I'm, I'm going to frame it under the in the bucket of IoT and sensor technology and how sensors can automate the the data curation, right? In so, in some cases, maybe in a lot of cases, and to to the point where you have you, you know uh, maybe a whole do ne- a whole new definition of smart appliances, such that uh, an appliance can self diagnose and feed data into your system and, and then have labor distribution, labor called out like all behind the scenes. Right. And is that, is your, are you there today? If not like. No, I think so, so I'll, I'll share where we are and where we were going, but what I think where you're talking about is, is really interesting. So and if I'm hearing you right, so today we can asset tag. So every plant yes. has an asset boom today, what we're able to do is when you ask that we can upload the warranty, the PDF, even a video or, or other d- documents, how to operate it, a full yeah. history, the last time it was changed. We can even create automated ch- or checklists to prove, hey, we've now done this either a fire log or we've checked this boiler, we've done this action. So that's what we can do today. Okay. Where, where, where we want to get to is being able to, when we scan it, drive decisions. For instance, yep. I'm now working on this fridge. I have a $300 part coming in. Am I going to replace the fridge or not? And be able to be able to go replace. So today we're able to say, is there warranty? 
show me the information about it. Where we want to get to is an automated process of, of, hey, am I repair, replace? What's the pathway here? And I think that's a vision that we have. Uh, and because one of the, you know we ha- we're able to take in the data from the field that says this is the issue, connect it to the part, connect it to the hours, and make an estimate. But we're still a couple quarters away from that being in field. But again, it's I think it's a great vision of how do we leverage? And I, I think asset tagging is going to take a few years within our industry, right? Sure. So, sure. Like let's like right now, like if you've got. 50,000 current assets to tag. It's just, it's it's difficult, right? right, right. So we look at asset tagging today more for um, you know, boilers, major components of the site, right? And can we can we drive that? Now we do, have, we do have clients who are using asset tagging for everything. It's the process of first tagging everything within your annuals that can, that can be time, uh, that can really drive a ton of time. That, that, that makes sense to me. And I, I do think that's probably a combination of not only sort of asset tagging things that are in place today. And then I, I, I know there's um, an HVAC company, for example, that uh, Modally, I believe is, or Motili, I always mispronounce their name. I apologize. <laughs> but, but they have, they're literally manufacturing uh, condensing units. As soon as they come off, they're, they're embed, they have sensors embedded in them that are connected to a labor distribution system. So if you put it, this condensing unit the story I'm telling myself is you had this condensing unit in one of our multifamily communities. You could connect that to sweet spot technology such that that condensing unit knows, it knows when it's going to break down. It knows in advance of the time it's going to break down. So it notifies your system, which kicks off the whole, the whole service requests workflow and the resident never knows, right? He only knows because we're telling him, Hey, your air conditioner is about to run out of free on and we're going to charge it up today so that you don't have to worry about it. So uh, we we have open APIs and a really aggressive component of how IoT is going to affect multifamily, whether it's solar panels, whether it's IoT and smoke detectors and other components of uh, what will be property operations. We're excited about, um, I'll just I'll be careful what I can say here, but we're excited <laughs> about that future because yeah. we, we look at SweetSpot as having a role in some of that future of IoT, right? And how we're built enables that. So, you know, like we are like, well, yeah, like I think there's some great examples, whether it's, you know, smoke detectors or Freon or other pieces or your solar on the roof, there's elements that are having unique sensors that we could see as part of our vision of, again, providing that health check of the property. So today we look at health check from, is all of the preventative maintenance um, issues com- or, or tasks completed? Are we, you know, have we, you know, do we have all of our logs? Do we have everything done? Are we on top of everything? Are we on top of our warranties? But this has that other element of almost a, a another elements of that health check we're really keen on bringing into the system. It's beautiful. When when all that comes to be, I want to have you back and talk about it. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, but we look we look at how do we prevent get data into the operator as frictionless as possible. Makes sense. I I want to go back. I I just remember that's just the way my brain works. That I was going to ask you a question about accounting. So we're all over the board here, but but in 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 my head we we have the ability. So if if the system. Uh, 
calls out to a cleaner who is outside of our labor pool, right? And that cleaner comes in, does work. Somehow there's a proof of work uh, that happens. Call it a picture, call it a, hey, I'm done. Maybe the, there's a dollar threshold that sort of governs that. We trust you under 50. We don't trust you over 50 or something like that. And from that point, so I have this vision in my head that that accounting at some point becomes completely automated and, and multifamily companies across the nation can, I don't want to reduce headcount, but maybe you repurpose, reskill. Anyway, that that proof of work payment can happen with no people be involved, you know, being involved except for the cleaner and the. You know, uh, absolutely. So that so in in this example, let's assume that the the cleaner is a third party. Yes. A vendor. So yep, they do their work. They have an email login from from SweetSpot that they just go in and say work's completed. Right, that will probably check, kick off a quality control review. So someone yep. else will get an automatic note saying you have 48 hours to go into that suite, do a quality control review of that work, whatever it may be. Also, though, that's the easy part. What if there's a change order from the from the cleaner, or what if there's an issue? That never happens. It, that, like, but that's it's the corner cases that kill us, right? So, so yeah, so we're so we have uh, we're able that cleaner can do. Hey, like there's this was not a standard clean. There's something in here, like. You guys didn't send me the right scope, but this is a change order. This is a 2X clean. We can set auto approves or urgent approves so they could go in for, you have 30 minutes to approve or it gets escalated because they're on site. But what we what we want to be able to do is have that then. So whenever they close off that work order, it's going to automatically sync back to Yardi. It's going to go through um, uh, a payment components, but we're clean. So they we can go from sweet spot assign and schedule that work they come on site complete that work click completed work order synchronize back and away we go and now we've had a as automated as process as possible and it's repeatable right and it also can account for those change requests scheduling requests other pieces because this is a dynamic process. That's why the whiteboard in the office doesn't work. It doesn't work because of change orders and people get sick and COVID and, and, and in life, right? So maybe that's what we should change is that the whiteboard doesn't take into account for life, right? But that's, so the answer to that question, yes. So like the, that third party comes in, completes that process and it automatically builds and away we go. I love that. The greatest book title I ever saw, I should have bought the book. It said, business is awesome, but for people, to all the points that you just made, right? People get sick, people get emotional, people get all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we're, oh, we're not using that vendor anymore. That's never happened, right? And though, anyway, so so we, we try to be as flexible as possible, understanding that life happens. That, that makes sense. What have we not talked about that you wish we would have talked about i, I want to leave it open I, we talked about a lot and we were all over the board and that's my fault but anything we've not highlighted here that you think is important to talk about uh yeah like i, I think I, I wanted us to talk a little bit about turnovers and the plight of the maintenance group i think they're underserved and we didn't talk about our labor shortage but i don't know i think there's been lots of pieces there but like maybe, maybe that's you know a question i have for you right for it's been more than it's, it's been more than a year that maintenance operations have dramatically suffered from a difficulty both for ret- attracting and retaining talent, and it's had an effect, right? Like, what do you see as like like what needs to change? Yeah, 
You know what? Actually, Mike, I think deep sigh is a great answer. That is that is a fantastic <laughs> answer. It's, 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 it's what a lot of people are saying is, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll take a stab at this and, you know, maybe I'll put an asterisk by it because I, I don't know the answer. But this is my best attempt at answering this question. And, and I want to preface by saying that I, I am really excited for service team members today because everything that has happened in the world, let's say over the last 24 to 36 months, has put us in a position where organizations across the country, it, it's not just organizations, it's industries across the country that have service components. And let's focus on multifamily service. People are finally getting paid a higher wage which I think has been a problem for a very long bit of time. Using Radco as an example, we went through a complete compensation strategy exercise and it ended up increasing air service team members pay by big amounts. Is it where they want to be ultimately? Probably not. No one's ever, you know, completely happy with pay. Anyway, I think that was a, a component or that's, that's my preface. I think that the industry itself has been, we're competing against, some industries that have been introduced, they've probably been around for 10 plus years now, but let's call it the Amazon fulfillment factory, the warehouses and industry, and, and certainly the building boom that has gone on in this country in the last four or five years has taken our skilled workforce, right? And put them into jobs that pay on scale and they just pay and pay wages we cannot compete with just or benefit packages that we cannot compete with. So we're left to try to create cultures that enrich people's lives. If you're doing, doing it right, and I'm not saying Radco's doing it completely right, but we try to create a culture that enriches the human, not just the worker or the skill that we need out of you, but the human being first, right? We okay. try to treat you with dignity and respect and put you in environments that really enrich your life personally and professionally. And our thesis is that if we do that well, right, if we do that really well and you feel fulfilled and you feel enriched by coming to this place we call work, then the pay, while important, is not going to be the number one driver in terms of you staying or being attracted in the first place to our to our culture. So the answer is you got to have a, a dynamic, enriching culture to make up for what you can't compete against out in the marketplace at large. I, I, we agree. I agree. I think also like, I think one, one thing that's a little underserviced is the maintenance leader being a dynamic leader, right? Oh, and finding things. great people promoting them into that leadership. Like, like, I, like, like people work for great people. That's right? right. And, and I think we could foster as a, as a community that role better. Right, just in how that role recruits, coaches. Like, there's some great examples in the industry, but I think developing of that role should become part of the focus, right? Because it's it's going to drive better coaching, better retaining. Like, you know, and, and I, I just, I'm a big believer in that role. And if that role is not super strong on your team, go go and go build that piece because. People don't work for the logo like they work for people and great people inspire others to stay, just to, to, to learn, to be part of something. And I, I think that piece is underserved. 
Uh, you, yeah, you nailed it. I, I had a uh, Adrian Danello on our on the podcast several, several, several episodes ago, but he he's the biggest champion for service team members in the entire industry, as far as I'm concerned. And he says the same thing: you, you got to get dynamic leaders in that you you're very intentional about teaching, training, mentoring, and coaching into that sort of. I, I don't know what you call it. The, <laughs> but, 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 but also, but that's a career vision too, Agreed. right? And, and how many folks come into those roles and, and that's part of the frustration is I'm not seeing this mobility where if that role was compensated as a great leader and supported, it provides both a pathway, but also like, let's, let's build a generation of awesome, like, Maintenance leaders who are dynamic, who are coaches, who care about the property, who care about customer service, and that be your retention vehicle. Uh, uh, agreed. I, I, I think what, what comes to mind for me most out of <clears throat> all of this discussion is people, I, th- I think innately, people want to be of good character. They want to show up well. They want to show up confident. They want to show up with self-esteem and things of that nature. And, and business hasn't really been geared to, to do any of that for people, right? We just want your skill. Just get the job done. Okay. And to your point, if if we show up as an organization with a people-first mentality and we work on what are really character issues and concerns, let's not call them issues and concerns. Sorry about that. But just elements of one's person, right? Then you do good work, but not only do you do good work, you go out into the community or you go home at night and you don't kick the cat and you speak well to your children, you speak well to your spouse, right? And if we can do that as companies and organizations and build people in that way, I think to your point, you just, it's a whole different world when you're serving people in that, at that high level, right? I I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a crescendo ending. That was awesome. (laughs) Oh, Look, I we're almost at an hour here, um, but I, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour, no problem. <laughs> but uh, I want to be respectful of our listeners and our viewers. Um, I want to give you the last word. Anything you want to say about te- the technology or to the industry at large, unrelated to the technology, this is your time. And then where people can connect with you, and uh, we'll call it a show. Sure. Like I think you know, from one, we're we're a big proponent of digital transformation in this industry. Right and supporting the maintenance team and their innovation. Uh, so, so if that's a component, if you guys are looking at or your organization is looking at, hey, how can I improve maintenance operations? Uh, we'd love the opportunity to see if we could help. Uh, so it's Darren.Sharp at SweetSpotTechnology.com. Um, but yeah, but thank you very much, Mike. It's been great to have this conversation. Oh, likewise. It's it's been a thrill, <laughs> and I mean that from my heart of hearts. So. Uh, thank you very much, Darren, for your time and making the investment here. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time on uh, Collective Conversation.